Welcome to the Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. Happy Groundhog Day, everybody. This is going to be a fun episode, and I am so honored to be joined with Laurie Florence for today's episode, while we do a deep dive into the classic Groundhog Day with the one and only Bill Murray. We're so excited to share some insights and to celebrate this momentous holiday with you. But first, let's start off with our highlight reel, where we share some good news about what's happening in the world. In an article entitled, Family Farm in Maine Couldn't Make It After Restaurants Close Until the Neighbors Showed Up, we found on goodnewsnetwork.org, shares the following story. Ralph and Lisa Turner's organic family-run farm was going under because of the pandemic. They did not have typical business from restaurants, but they had all of their produce still, so lots of inventory. They sent an email out to their mailing list of about 450 people planning to sell produce by the bag to recoup what costs they could. People went crazy and shared and just kept sharing and sharing the email, and hundreds of people showed up. Lisa, one of the owners, likened it to the climatic scene at the end of A Wonderful Life when a parade of thankful townspeople show up to give Mr. Bailey enough cash to keep his beloved business afloat. The pandemic has been absolutely brutal for small businesses, and this is the kind of community and support and love and looking outward that needs to happen for us to get through this together. I love this story. Way to go, community in Maine. You guys rock and are an inspiration to all of us. Coach Neil's out sick today, so for our team huddle, it's just going to be me. Wanted to give a shout out to Hannah Lowe, who gave us a nice shout out. I know I'm late to the party, but I finally started to listen to this podcast and it is fire. I've only listened to the first few episodes so far, but it's so refreshing, positive, and just fun to listen to. If you feel like you need a reset or a fresh perspective, take it from these guys. Hannah, you're amazing. Hannah and I actually know each other from a previous life, and she is just rad. You're awesome. Keep spreading the light. You get MVP for the week. We're going to send you a fresh basket of miniature bunnies for your efforts. Thank you. Happy Groundhog Day, Hannah. All right. So let's dive into the conversation that I had with Larie and share some great insights from the cult classic Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray. Now, we have some extra goodies at the end, some trivia and insights about the movie that you might find interesting. So hang tight after the outro and you will hear some of those facts as well, which are really fun. So here we go. There is just play theory principles throughout this whole film. And so let's dive into some of those it, would it be worth giving just a backdrop maybe for the story before we do oh, that? Yeah, in case someone hasn't seen it. I pity you if you haven't. <laughs> but just because we're generous, it. because your life is obviously less than it could be if you had seen it, we will <laughs> tell you the plot. I feel like it's kind of a legendary movie that people know about. 
Even if you haven't seen it, you've probably heard someone talk about it. So there's this Phil character who's Bill Murray, played by Bill Murray, and he's a reporter. He's a weatherman, and he gets this assignment to go and cover the groundhog event in Pox... Tony. Yeah, <laughs> Poxitani. And he's dreading it, or, or Punxsutawney. And he's not looking forward to it at all. And he, his character, he's just full of himself, very self-interested, prideful. What other adjectives would you include there, well, Marie? I totally remember that about it. And when I watched it again in order just to review it for this podcast... I was surprised that he wasn't as bad as I remembered him because I was thinking he was more like the guy in Scrooged who was just terrible. And he wasn't all bad. I thought, wow, they did a really great job of showing you this person that was less than they could be. He wasn't evil. He He wasn't a completely flawed person. He was just living at a subpar life because of all those things that you described. So... I, yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. It's like, which is, I thought he was much more snarky and much more hurtful than, than he really was. He just was into himself more than he was in other people. And I'm grateful that they didn't go over the top with that because I feel like it's more relatable actually for that reason. Yeah. Like there's a little yeah. bit more of us in there. Um, oh, absolutely. So I think all of us have been where Bill Murray was at the beginning of this movie. His character's name is Phil. And if, if not consistently as a personality type or as a stage in our life on a day, we all have days where it's just a little bit more about us and less about other people and we want and our needs aren't met. And so we're a little greedy or grabby or less generous. Yeah. And even if that's a, sh- a short season of life, we've all experienced that. Yep. And it's so neat because he... Just out of nowhere, that's the other thing that kind of catches you off guard. There's no like fairy that comes in and, and makes any of this happen, but just he wakes up to cover the Groundhog Day event in Punxsutawney and he goes and he does it and he's kind of his, his full of himself jerk self. And then they get snowed in. He has to stay in Punxsutawney and then he wakes up to the same music on his alarm. And then it turns out it's the same exact day. And as it plays out, he keeps reliving the same day where he goes and covers this uh, Groundhog Day event over and over. And it's his journey about what would you do if that were happening to you? And, and it's just such a beautiful stage to explore so many deep questions. And so it's, people uh, have tried to, they've actually done the math on estimating how long he was in this time loop. And the director, his original thought, he wanted to make it like 10,000 years. He <laughs> realized, no, that's too long. But all of the things that, that he accomplishes as he's in this loop, we'll talk a little bit more about that. The estimate is between, there's some people that have dialed it down to eight years, eight months, and 16 days. And other people are like, no, it had to be more like 16 day or 16 years based on his aptitude for some of the, the skills that he gained when he was practicing. And they're using that on the 10,000 hour law of accomplishing, mastering a talent or a skill. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. So if you, like Phil Murray said, he believed that Groundhog Day, that it would resonate if it was about the idea that we just have to try again. So he saw this original script as an interpretation of how people repeat the same day over and over because they're afraid of change. And then it was really kind of fun. You see this in the movie. There's a couple different times where 
they serve up a couple of locals who are talking to him and he's trying to explain this unbelievable scenario that you've just outlined that he keeps waking up and it's the same thing. It's the same day. And that the two local guys who are obviously, you know, they're the blue collar workers and they're at the bar having a drink and they're like, yeah, sounds like my life. And for me, that was one of the most poignant moments of the movie. Like we don't, we all, isn't it all groundhog day? We wake up, we're still alive. We still have, it's not exactly the same, but we have this opportunity to make a choice. So beautifully highlighted in this film. And I love that. That's a great comment to roll into uh, the first principle, which is be present that I, I loved as I was watching this as long as when it's interesting because it's double-sided, right? So you always have this fresh start, but if you focus on the dread of doing it again, and I love how Bill Murray's character, as long as he was thinking about this never-ending cycle of this one day that he was reliving, he was miserable and he was sad, depressed, wow. anxious. And and as he relives it and he goes through this journey, and maybe it's good to keep explaining kind of his journey through the film, but he near the beginning of the movie, he really is just angry. Yeah. He is miserable. <laughs> and, and it, which results in obviously some really funny moments. My personal it is, it is a comedy, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah, and it is Bill Murray. If you're a fan of Bill Murray, this is just a, a must. I mean, it's and, just, and there's if, some classic. If you moments. haven't heard of the character Ned Ryderson, just Google him right now. Yeah. There's a really, there's a really great. There's some people who believe that that character actually represents God or Satan, depending on on how you look at it. But maybe we'll insert a little clip here of the whole Ned scene. Phil, hey, Phil, Phil, Phil Connors, Phil Connors. I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned! Ryerson! Needle nose Ned, Ned the head, come on, buddy, Case Western High! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing! Again, Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well, yes, I, I see that, that moment with he keeps replaying this obnoxious encounter with this insurance salesman, Ned Ryerson, and then he finishes being irritated with Ned and steps away and he continues to step in the same puddle of ice. And the, I think for me, I identified that this turning point where Bill Murray's character, Phil, recognizes, wait a minute, I have control in this scenario because he's felt like he doesn't have control. And I think mm -hmm. as I've worked with people exposing them to play theory, that's the huge paradigm shift is when they recognize, wait a minute, I have all these thoughts and I have these attitudes and I'm surrounded in this toxic culture, but I have agency. I can make a choice. And when he recognizes the puddle and avoids it the first time, in the film, I think that's when he starts to go down the play theory path of expansion and learning and growing instead of just fighting and being resistive or resistant and irritated and angry. And it's so interesting that you point that out. I didn't make that connection, but you're absolutely right. It's when he gets intentional and proactive is when he really starts to make the shift. 
And that is, is so powerful. And again, with the whole happiness is a skill mindset, it is something that is intentional and proactive. And as long as you are in that reactionary state, you're not, you're going to be flowing down the river and getting swept away and not able, you're going to be in survival mode. Yeah. And, yeah. and it probably experience a lot of those same emotions, the anxiety, the the misery, depression. And, and so that is a very and anger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anger. Oh man. When <laughs> that is my, probably my favorite scene is with the life insurance. I, I, I literally laughed out loud as I was watching this with every interaction <laughs> with, the, with Ned Ryerson. Thank you. Yeah. He is my favorite is the, the set. I think it's the second day. He just shoves him <laughs> and it doesn't even phase him. He just does a loop and says, what the hell? And comes yeah, back. Oh yeah. my gosh. Cole oh, so but, many characters. Yeah. So many. Yeah. All of the, the supporting cast is just amazing as well. Yeah. Well, and I think going back to the play theory in this, until, like you said, the intentionality, until he recognizes and has intention in the day. Because I think he's just waiting. He's like, when will this end? I want this to end. He's focusing outside of himself. Something make this stop. And then when mm-hmm. he doesn't step in the puddle, there's this moment of, wait a minute, I have control in this. And that takes presence of mind, right? So you gotta, he's got to be present. And there's, a, there's some other great examples of that attribute. But then he starts to kind of let go and play with this. Like one of them was a great line is, I don't even have to floss because he doesn't have, he doesn't get cavities because he wakes up and it's a reset the next morning, right? And he, he realizes, I can eat anything I want. I'm not going to gain a pound. So he goes on this food binge. And then there's this thing where he's like, he wants to, I think it's a combination of dealing with the anger and the frustration, but he goes on this wild car chase, driving down the train tracks and just crazy, gets arrested. And he's like, he doesn't have to worry about it because he knows he's going to wake up in the morning in his bed with that same song playing, even though he went to bed that night in the jail because he got arrested for evading the cops. So, and at that point, I think the thing he had said, sometimes you got to take big chances because the, his, the guys in the car with him were like, what are you doing? And I thought, okay, that's really lines up with the whole let go and play. You got to let go, which is that chance. And it might feel like a really big chance to somebody who's maybe kind of shy and doesn't want to feel uncomfortable, but they're trying to reach out and make friends with more people. And it's really challenging, especially in this pandemic. It might feel like a really big chance, but that's how you're going to move and shift and change the paradigm. And it was cool to see that play out in the movie for Phil in this show. And I love how the manufactured environment, obviously that he was in where the same days were playing over and over, it really did allow him, like you mentioned, to dramatically lower the stakes and explore life in ways he he wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And I think we impose, self-impose this kind of high stakes environment. And obviously we're never going to experience Groundhog Day like Mm -hmm. Bill Murray does. But if we can instead just take a holistic perspective and find ways to lower the stakes yeah, or recognize that they just aren't that high. You know, what? There, there's a saying about people, what other people think about you is none of your business. And to be true, they just don't think about you that much. So we raise, we elevate these stakes artificially so many times. So just getting your brain around a more healthier mindset 
about what truly is important and what isn't is going to help. And I think it's cool because this character, Phil, Bill Murray's character comes to recognize what is more important. And he starts out with just really indulging in his physical senses. And then he starts to be aware of what is going to really bring him happiness. And and then it, I think it starts in with accept and build. He's accepting, he's in this loop and okay, well, what can I do with this then? I'm going to learn how to play the piano. I'm going to learn another language. I'm going to get to know these other people that I'm stuck in this time loop with because they don't know that they're in the same time loop. And he has a lot of fun with that. Sometimes it's entertaining and you know comedic and other times it's it becomes more and more sincere. Yeah. And as he makes that transition from initially, he's rejecting every offer that comes his way. He's just mm. the lady with the coffee, the homeless man, the insurance guy. Right, Ted. right. Um, and, and he hates the town he's in, right? He says that on his way yeah. there to the assignment. But once he accepts the scenario and starts to let go and play and start being present instead of dreading the cycle, he is able to build upon the situation and then truly become the better version of himself that knows French poetry and can master the piano and ice carving. And he, and, and then by the end of the movie, he loves the town Punxsutawney and yeah. that transition all stems back to, I mean, all the, the transformation he takes, but really accepting and then being able to build upon. Yeah. And it's just beautiful because we talk about play theory, the fourth principle, looking outward, kind of being the culmination of the first three and it really plays out well in this movie because as he's able to be present, a really fun moment is when he's he does this bank robbery. And once again, he, he talks about how maybe he's a god because he can he knows everything about everything and everyone. He can anticipate and kind of see forward and backwards into time, at least through this 24-hour period, because he's there for for so many years. But he's sitting there and he's noticing the guys load up the money from the the bank into a armed car and or armed truck. And he's kind of counting things out like, oh, gust of wind. Oh, dog bark. Oh, she drops the quarters. And it he knows it so well. He's able to be so present. He's been so observant. He just walks up, grabs the bank bag while the guy's bending down to help the lady with the quarters and then just walks off. And he's there's no consequence because he knows even if he gets caught, he's going to wake up free the next day. And he knows he's not really robbing somebody because they don't move forward in the scenario. But <clears throat> so he's just become this ninja of the play theory principles. And then he has an interest in a coworker named Rita. And at one point, he's all about one night stands before Puxatani. And so when he starts out on this journey, he's still into that. But as he spends time with his coworker, Rita, through these loops, he begins to really recognize her value and he tries to woo her, but he only has a 24-hour period, even though it's years for him. In her mind, it's just this one day and one evening. So he looks outward. He begins to care more about what she thinks than what he thinks and what she wants than he wants. And he kind of makes progress. And at one point, one of the most poignant lines in the movie for me is, he's they've had a lovely day together. Some of the days don't go well, but he's been able to treat her in a way that she feels respected and loved and she's warming up to him. And he knows the evening's coming to an end. And he said, the worst part is tomorrow I'll wake up 
and you won't remember any of this and you'll think I'm a jerk. And I think that just humbles him, right? And he, but he doesn't give up. But because he's so committed to her by the end of the movie, it's all about wanting to become the person that she feel that he feels she would value, even though he's kind of given up on the possibility that she would, because she's a person that's not going to value one night stand. And he ends up bringing other people coffee, ends up saving the old man that he wouldn't, that he wouldn't give a dollar to on the first day, buying every type of life insurance possible from Ned. So, but right. it's just such a, it's, and then this is my all time favorite line from the movie towards, you know, in the end when things are wrapping up and this time loop has been broken. Bill Murray's character says, no matter what happens tomorrow or the rest of my life, it just doesn't matter because I'm happy now. And I thought, wow, that's the power of, of this attitude. And I think that's the philosophy Bill Murray saw that he could share through his character. And one of the other things that, that he grew to say that he never would have said in the beginning, is there anything I can do for you today? And so just again, this today, this generosity, he's looking outward, he's asking how can he can help, and it's today, right? He's present. This is his opportunity. This is his moment. And talking about the movie, Bill Murray said, it's a movie about a man repeating the same day, but a story about how to live, whose life isn't a series of days, who doesn't feel stuck from time to time. So I just really love that philosophy came through so clearly. And it really is such a powerful example of looking outward. It's, let me gather my thoughts here, because this is, I love what you said, and I don't want to. Well, that was kind of a lot. It's like, boom. But uh, (laughs) watch the movie, listen to the podcast, or listen to the podcast, then watch the movie. But, oh, there's so, there's, yeah, you can keep thinking, you can keep digging. It's really a great story. And just one last thought, and especially with Look Outward, how that's, this ties in. Again, we've talked about his journey and how he starts off. He's very prideful and, and selfish and miserable and all those things, but really inwardly focused, I think, is at the core of all of those yeah. adjectives. Yep. And, and in turn, he's kind of despised of everyone. And he puts everything on others and is not taking responsibility for the outcomes in his life. And I love the second day where he realizes it's a repeat. He sits Rita down and he's like, he he tells her what's happening. He says, I need you to do something. Oh, <laughs> and she good, says, yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, he's not taking, he's just trying to get someone else to fix his problems. And it's putting, not taking responsibility for any of the outcomes. And that was just kind of who he was. But as he goes through that transition and that transformation, you realize he was miserable because of who he was, not because of his circumstances. It was literally the same exact day over and over. And the only thing that changed throughout the movie is the main character is Phil. And that principle, I feel, is just another example of happiness is a skill, but just the beautiful concept that it is as we level up with the intent to serve others. And by the end of the movie, you see all of the good that he can do in one day as he goes to the the dance and 
all these people are coming up to him and thanking him for just, he does the Heimlich maneuver and saves somebody's life. He rescues a kid out of a tree and all these amazing things. And it was because he transformed and he wanted to to serve and look outward. And it was that was the intention behind his development and growth was so that he could look outward and serve. And I think that's just so powerful with that intent inside as we look to to better ourselves and improve. Oh, I love that. And I think it it touches on kind of the deeper level of play theory, which is everything is like a coin. It has two sides, right? Because we can be present, but then sometimes we can be so present with ourselves. We're exclusive of others and we're not able to see others. And Phil started out with that type of focus, like you said, but then you have to also use that same muscle that causes you to be so self-interested and selfish and self-focused. You have to be able to use that same muscle to, to look past your immediacy into what you have to deal with, what you have to work with, where you're at, and then start doing the other proliferative principles until it takes you through to looking outward. You're using that same skill set of being present as in being aware, noticing what's needed, asking what's needed. Like he says in the movie, what can I do for you today? That's a, a component of being present, but it's like be present is like the bud and looking outward is the fully bloomed flower that can happen if you're willing to take the steps through all the way oh. to the end. We need to have an episode of advanced expert level play theory and do a deep <laughs> dive into these because it is good, but Wow, what an amazing movie. What, so many great principles and truths. Happy Groundhog Day to well, everyone listening. We have to. The real bedrock truth of the movie uh, is if the groundhog sees his shadow, then it's three more weeks of spring, right? This is like scientifically proven truth, right? Right. right. Well, how did that ever get started anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to do in the footnotes, we will include the history of Groundhog Day, how it came to be. <laughs> I don't know the story, but it's got to be a good one. because Oh my gosh. Just- yeah, it's a groundhog. Who, what, if he, what even is a groundhog? I'm not <laughs> sure. I saw a picture of it. Is it the same as a marmot? I don't know. Is there oh. only one then it lives in Puxatawney or is there a whole bunch? Do I have groundhogs here in my yard and I don't know it? They're coming for you. Ah, I don't know. What do groundhogs do the rest of the year, the other 364 days of every year? And and like once it's Groundhog's Day, do they continue doing groundhog things or do they just stay in a little cave all day? Do they live in a cave? I don't know. They come out of somewhere. I don't know. All, all the questions of the soul. That one's actually not answered in the in the movie, but it's a, what is a Groundhog Day oh. exists? So let us know in the comments. Go find us on social media and give us your thoughts on Groundhog Day. And if you know of any other really weird holidays that have a great movie about it, hit us up and we'll do another review. So Before we go, is there a pro tip we can leave for our listeners here? Well, let's give them Bill Murray's. He said... He believed that Groundhog's Day still resonates, and I I'd said this earlier, but we'll just repeat it. He said that it still resonates today because it's about the idea that we just have to try again. It's such a beautiful, powerful idea. 
And I love it. It's kind of like your fail forward, right? But we just try again. So just Laurie, thank you so much. And everyone go watch the movie. Happy Groundhog Day. We'll see how much more winter we get. But uh, I was about to make a groundhog sound just as like a sign off. But (laughs) 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 what sound does a groundhog make? I have no idea. Another hit song waiting to be uh, produced right there. So. What does the groundhog say? Oh. Well, we will send some swag to whoever sends us a, a recording of what a groundhog says. So there, immortalizing. Okay. Yeah, we, we got right. some play theory wristbands. We could send your way. Make that happen. Ooh. You bet. You bet. Let's, let's do it, and you'll get featured on the podcast. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Happy Groundhog Day. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. What a great episode. That was so fun to sit down with Larie and dive deep into Groundhog Day and all of the beautiful principles. So remember to look outward and that every day is a new opportunity for you to become and do the good that you want to do and become. All right, and now for you diehard Bill Murray fans, here are some insights and trivia about Bill Murray and the movie Groundhog Day. This is good. Oh, what a good movie. This was so fun to to go through there. And Bill Murray, it was such a different role for him too. Did you know that they originally, Harold Ramos originally wanted to cast Tom Hanks? What? Can't you totally see that? But it was determined that it would be the audience wouldn't have any level of suspense because obviously Tom Hanks would evolve into a nice guy. But with Bill Murray, you can't tell. You don't know because he did that phenomenal Scrooged, right? He can play right. such a mean guy or it could be so nice. And they actually, they, the director, Harold Ramos, that he had worked with Bill Murray for Ghostbusters and then also, what was the other one? Oh, Caddyshack. His take, the the director was originally about just being the more slapstick. He was really invested in the humor. And Bill Murray was the one who said, there is this philosophy in here. We got to bring this out. And there's some really cool information about Bill Murray and what he thinks and how he thinks. If you haven't seen the documentary, Finding Bill Murray, or I don't know the exact name. I should look that up. But there's a documentary about the Bill Murray, that sticker you'll see on people's cars. And there's like this ideology of why is Bill Murray who he is and how does Bill Murray think the way he thinks? And anyway, he and Harold Ramos, the director of Groundhog's Day, didn't speak until just before Harold Ramos died, like in 2013, after the movie, because they butted heads so much about fighting for the comedy or fighting for the philosophy. And personally, I'm glad, I'm grateful for their struggle because it it made a beautiful product there. Yeah. Well, and it- Oh, yeah. And spoiler alert, this is not for people who haven't seen the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the times he's trying to kill himself. Even in those moments, there's not this, like, I like a black comedy and Harold and Maude is another movie that has this philosophical bent to it where you're laughing at the times he's trying to commit suicide and not to be in a disrespectful way. You have to see the movie to understand what I'm saying here. Yes. But in Groundhog's Day, it was the same thing where you're not, you're dealing so much with his paradigm about how he's looking at life. And then because he wakes up every day the same and nothing he does can affect that, suicide is very different for him. He's just trying to affect a change in his life. And so it wasn't funny. They didn't make it, they didn't make it comedic about how he died. 
they didn't make it. You weren't sitting there crying because you knew he was going to wake up in the morning. It was so interesting. It was so thought provoking, right? If you just always had a fresh, brand new, clean slate day ahead of you. Right. And it, oh, it was so gripping the whole time. I, I did. I got to say, I found the documentary. It's called The Bill Murray Stories, Life okay. Lessons from a Mythical Man. Is that the one Perfect. you're thinking? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the one. It's so worth watching. And the cover is him, his head on a picture of the Sasquatch body. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like- and, and you might see these pictures of Bill Murray. It's kind of that uh, style of the Obama sticker where it was um, monotone kind of a thing. Oh, and yeah, it yeah, was yeah. a silhouette of the features of their face, but it was, I guess silhouette's not the right word, but they did that style with just Bill Murray's face. And you'll see that on the back of bumper stickers or as a bumper sticker on cars sometimes. And it's like, what is that? And there's this following of this Bill philosophy of it really is this let go and play and being present and the Bill Murray stories. There's this folklore and this guy in this documentary goes on to talk to people who've had these experiences with like Bill Murray showing up at their wedding and toasting the bride, but he wasn't invited. He just showed up and let go and played (laughs) and tried to make their wedding a better thing. I mean, there's tons of these stories. So it was so interesting as you're watching it, because there are definitely those moments where the humor is infused, but it wasn't supposed to be a comedy, but going into it, you almost feel like it's going to be. So it kind of catches you off guard in a beautiful way though. 